Welcome to Pratidwani, where we try to humanize science. I'm your host, G.V. Pawan Kumar. It is my absolute delight to have my dear friend and colleague, Ashish Arora. Thank you. Ashish is an experimental condensed matter physicist working at the Indian Institute of uh, Science Education and Research, Pune, in the Department of Physics. He is an assistant professor there and he's setting up a very interesting laboratory which actually brings together various different aspects of condensed matter, including uh, optics also as a strong element where he does magneto-optics. One of the key elements and which is very impressive element of uh, Ashish Arora's work is that he's not only an excellent scientist, but also he's deeply interested in uh, science outreach activities and science outreach not only in English, but also in an Indian language and Indian languages. Mm. For example, Hindi and Punjabi, mm. and he also has some excellent initiatives uh, which he has uh, taken uh, in, uh, to to the public, and uh, we we're going to discuss a little bit more. So, welcome to Pratidwani, Ashish. Thank um, you very much, Pavan. Thank you very much for your kind invitation, and I'm very delighted that you, you, you uh, we we have no, you here. Absolutely, same <laughs> here. It's it's uh, you are doing an amazing thing by bringing so many physicists together on your initiative and we get to know about their perspectives on their lives on how they got interested in science and what they are doing now and what their projections are for the future it's an absolutely wonderful thing that you have started i'm delighted to be a part of it thanks thank you thank you very much so ashish as i uh, generally ask our guests to do is to introduce themselves through a biographical kind of a mm -hmm. uh, um, discussion mm -hmm. tell us about from your childhood, how you got interested in science? Oh, yeah. from yeah. my childhood. Yes. <clears throat> okay, that yeah. is interesting now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you are pushing me to my fifth standard, it seems. So nice. I was in nice. my fifth standard. Uh -huh. And this was the first time when I started doing something science -y. Uh -huh. Okay. What I mean is, you know, I saw some toy uh -huh. in, in a shop where you know there was a row of some some screws which they had put and there was another row of some other some screws and both of these screws rows were used as some terminals and then there was a bulb hmm. now if you ask uh, in the first row if you put some uh, some connection in the first row uh, there there is some question written like what is hap what happened what interesting happened in 1947 uh -huh, uh -huh. and then in the second row there is another connection which says independence of india you put it there and then the bulb glows nice okay so this nice. was this and i thought okay let me make it myself yeah. at home because you know i noticed its price and uh, I noticed it was too expensive maybe so then I started making it myself in fact there was a science fair coming up mm -hmm. in our school mm -hmm. and uh, my father immediately got interested in helping me with this in fact he made a wooden board he went to the market made some wooden board from a carpenter and we drilled holes and we put some screws in there we put wire connections there and what we did was we made actually three rows of uh, these screws and we wrote in one row okay vitamins what happens if there is deficiency how to cure it mm -hmm. okay and then there were these three rows and then we used to like you know uh, there were these two knobs and there was a bulb battery and then the bulb used to glow when the vitamin A for example went to blindness you know mm -hmm. deficiency how to improve it okay eat carrots yeah. for example <laughs> Eat vitamin A and so nice, on. Huh? Nice. So this is this is where it started. However, there was an interesting thing. 
which followed was the following. There were two terminals now. Uh -huh. And uh, I thought, yeah, let's make the bulb grow a bit brighter. <laughs> <laughs> and I pushed these terminals in the mains of, in, in the wall. Nice, nice. And first I got an electric shock. Nice. Because there were some naked wires. Mm. The bulb blew off. It was bright for <laughs> a fraction of a second. And then my father heard this noise. Nice. Uh, because I also shouted, I got a shock and my father arrived and I got some uh, scolding yeah, from course. him. <laughs> and the lesson which uh, he gave me was first when you are trying to do something with science or with something with some wires or whatever, first try to understand its limitations. Good. Good. And Very he taught good. me that look, this bulb is only meant for using with a battery and not with the mains. And then he started teaching me about uh, voltages and currents and so on. And I immediately got interested in all of these. And uh, then whenever there was any science fair in the schools and so on, uh, I always participated and my father was always there to help me with building lots and lots of different kinds of setups. I won a lot of prizes. It was very encouraging. I went to the uh, state level. First there was some zone in which there were like four districts and mm. then there was state level. I also went to the state level and one there and so on. So we had a lot of fun as a child. And this is where I got all the interest in. Wonderful. Wonderful. <clears throat> it looks like uh, there has been a kind of a culture at yeah. home yeah. where uh, you are encouraged to, you know, pursue your curiosity. Correct. And uh, that is an important element. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, your father probably was not only your mentor in your earlier stage, yeah. but also that openness in the family to be curious. Yeah. Although I'm not telling that many people don't do it, mm. but it is not natural sometimes. Yeah. And uh, how did it come about like uh, through your parents? Yeah, it's, you're right. It's not, it might not be natural. Mm. Uh, so yeah. it's interesting. Like my mother actually is... Uh, Retired as a school teacher. Mm. She was a Hindi teacher. And in her Hindi language books, there were always, there used to be always some biographies of some scientists like mm. Marie Curie, mm. Albert Einstein, mm. Edison. Mm. So my mother used to tell me all of this with lots of enthusiasm. And on the other hand, my father was very good with his hands, like nice. with technical stuff. Mm. He's very good, mm. you know. So, I have never really seen uh, in in throughout my life mm -hmm. any plumber in my house, any electrician in my house, any mechanic in my house. All I have seen is like bunch of tools lying around in, in his tools boxes and all kinds of screws and screwdrivers and drill machines and wood cutters and all kinds of cutters, metal cutters and so on. And I used to get very excited with mm. all of this and mm. uh, this is where, so my, I mean, you see, even when, you know, my father, you know, when he has to get his uh, scooter serviced mm. or mm. my mother's, this two-wheeler serviced, mm. they would do it himself. He would do wow. it himself. Huh? That's actually unusual, Ashish. It's not a Could normal be. thing in, in, in India because uh, people who do work with hands, yeah. And uh, I should remind uh, our listeners that people who do work with hands also use their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because there is a notion sometimes that uh, anybody who works with hands does not 
think yeah which is actually a very wrong notion this is wrong uh, and uh, if somebody uh, wants to do that <coughs> it actually is a very important culture to create, cultivate yeah so uh, i'm very glad that you had such an upbringing yeah. and uh, how did that influence you as a person who is now inclined towards science yeah so then you know when i was in my little higher classes like 10th 11th 12th i got interested a lot in magnets and optics mm -hmm. so in my 7th or 8th standard actually i built my first telescope mm. astronomical telescope where two convex lenses are used and so on i calculated some apertures what i need powers and so on and then uh, this we used to get extremely long Mm. because you know you add the focal lengths of two lenses yes, yes. and it becomes very long if you want to get large magnification and then due to that aberrations are high and you mm. need long, long large apertures then sizes have to be large and you know if you want to look at the moon mm. through that telescope it's not very convenient because there will be aberrations yes, and yes. only the center of the lens would give you some nice thing and so on and then i was not very happy with that and i tried to check like how what i can do to improve on this and then my father went to an optics shop he was always there you mm. know he was like you know okay now you are on a project of a telescope let me find it out yeah. he yeah. went to the optics shop where i used to get my glasses done uh -huh. Uh -huh. and there he tried some combination of lenses concave <laughs> lenses convex lenses and so on and then the optics guy he himself knew a bit and he told him that look if you use a concave plus a convex lens first of all it will give you the image which is not inverted mm -hmm. which is like the way it should be yes. and also then it shortens that length of telescope because it's subtraction of focal lens now f1 minus f2 f2 yeah. however yeah. the magnification stays the same yes. and that improved the quality of this telescope a lot and i was mind blown like mm -hmm. because i had only read about astronomical telescope in my 7th standard not this galilean one mm -hmm. and this was amazing so this is how i learned about this and then i tried to make some microscope which i did not really succeed because it needs a bit more no, of effort yeah. and tubes and so on which i did not succeed however uh, my interest went into magnets then because mm. my father used to bring these uh, insulated copper wires you know when there was some fan which went wrong he would open that up and then there would be a coil mm. which would come out if there are some speakers which went bad he would open them up some coil would come out some magnets would come out and so on and then i was always wondering what to do with these mm -hmm. because there are there can be many interesting things which can be done one can create make generators yes. for example and you know use these coils to do lots of things you can create electromagnets and do lots of things you can make motors and so on mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, from this interest now he was like okay let's make something out of this now it was his idea he made uh, an electromagnetic crane mm, mm. now what he did was he built again a box mm. you know with some wheels which he put under it which he got from some old refrigerator there were some wheels which came out from the trolley of an old refrigerator he put under the box now this is the base of this crane, crane right. and then he put some batteries in he makes some shaft mm. there and he puts a pulley on which he you know wraps a thread and then he hangs an electromagnet nice. from this pulley and he puts a motor nice and then you know it was a bidirectional motor so you have now two switches with one switch the motor uh, turns counter clockwise with the other switch it turns clockwise so you can put this electromagnet up or down nice with this nice. and then there were another lever and this lever was used to turn it oh, no, okay let me see 
So turn, the, yeah, turn the magnet on and off. Yes. Yes. So you have to turn the magnet on. If you have to pick some magnetic stuff like some piece of iron or a junk of car or whatever, mm -hmm. you take this crane there, put the pulley down and then turn the lever on which turns the magnet on and then lift it up and then put your crane in another direction, put it down, down. turn the magnet off and put it down. Nice. I was super impressed. I mean, I also helped him in all of yeah. this. I was a small kid. I was in 10th standard. I helped him in all of this. And then my school teachers and you know, my classmates they used to be super impressed they were mm. like ah this home has something unusual something going on all that absolutely time. <laughs> absolutely it is unusual it yeah. is unusual because yeah. uh, it's not a normal thing especially in uh, so called middle class families yeah. because the emphasis of education seems uh, not to be thinking with hands yeah. but uh, with uh, with something you become like a bookish person yes. nothing wrong in that but it cha it, there is no kind of you know combination of you yes. know experimental approach to looking at and learning things. yes yeah. yes yeah exactly mm -hmm. and not only that then he learned from somewhere that one can use potatoes or or lemons yeah. to create a battery nice <laughs> and then he brought a plate of zinc from somewhere a plate of copper from somewhere i don't know how he used to manage all of this he had resources said, yeah. lying around somewhere <laughs> in his friends or in the market or wherever and then he put some plates of zinc and copper in these lemons, puts them in, I don't know, series or parallel. I don't remember what he did that. Yeah. And he was able to turn uh, an LED on ah, nice. with this. Nice. And then he brought a voltmeter. Actually, there was this voltmeter which he brought from somewhere. This was the first voltmeter. It was 10 plus 1 when I was in. And he used to show me, look, this is the voltage. You have, vo you have achieved 2 volts with these 6 uh, cells of lemons. Wow. Okay. And then you can even draw some current from it and turn an LED on. LED on. Uh, yes. This was quite interesting, and this is how it kept me motivated for science. And then I started to already think that yeah, I have to become a scientist. Nice, I mean, nice. that's that's the time. What a wonderful kind of uh, initiation. That's that's fascinating. So once you get into this mode of uh, you know this kind of experimental approach to understanding nature yeah. or even everyday life yeah. uh, that becomes also very fascinating yeah. which also means that uh, you would also be learning things in school yes uh, and uh, education at home yes and education at school correct, can correct, sometimes yeah. be out of phase Correct, uh -huh. correct. So, how did you try to kind of uh, yeah. bring, bring them together? No, this is very important. Actually, yeah. I uh, should also mention that actually I uh, found some wonderful teachers mm -hmm. in my school as well. So, in my <clears throat> 8th and ninth standard, I actually was accompanied by some amazing people who mm -hmm. used to teach me science and mathematics. I would mention some name. One name is Mr. Pavan Gill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wonderful science teacher. Mm -hmm. His body language and his way of explaining things and connecting with uh, nature and connecting with the practical life was mm -hmm. super. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Another person was Mr. Dinkar Prasher. Mm -hmm. So he also was a similar kind, very motivated and motivating mm -hmm. in teaching mm -hmm. science. And then in my 10 plus 1 and 10 plus 2, there was uh, Dr. Mr. Stish Thatwalia. Mm -hmm. And he was an amazing guy, very, very hard working physicist, physics teacher, very, very hard working physics teacher. So this is where I got the motivation of working hard mm -hmm. and try to go deeper into the concepts of physics because mm -hmm. physics is something which needs a lot of thinking. 
lot of thinking and this is what i learned from these guys that one has to sit and think if mm. you are you know in in india there is some problem unfortunately that when we are preparing for this uh, very uh, competitive exams very mm. challenging competitive exams because of whatever reason we are made to work hard in you know keeping on writing things and keeping on practicing solving problems and things like that and that was always there because one has to get through this system mm. somehow if you have to go to a good place you have to go through this system you have to clear this exams but on the other hand what i learned was that one has to think really hard mm. when you are doing physics mm. one has mm. to think mm. hard and then writing a lot over and over in solving so problems or derivations and so on doesn't help that much absolutely but sure. thinking matters a mm. lot discussing mm. matters mm. a lot mm. yes that's mm. another thing i found some friends uh, mm. company of friends who were interested in physics and i discussed a lot mm. and that's something which do. is very good i yeah. should mention that because uh, ashish is my colleague I, in fact some of the conversations which we have even over a cup of a coffee or tea yeah. is generally very important and uh, so a kind of you know interesting yeah. it is so informal and yet a lot of times it is educative yeah and uh, i agree with you in fact yeah. part of the initiative in pratidhani is actually to somehow bring in that spirit yeah uh, together yeah. so ashish now going forward now yes. that you actually have this wonderful kind of ecosystem at home uh you are now also getting into higher education yes right now you yes. finish your school probably yes. in in which place High school. You... so this was actually my this is a home my hometown called talwara it's mm. uh, actually at the bank of bias river there is a dam nice and yeah this was another thing so there is a dam and i used to visit this dam and used to visit this huge turbines and nice. this uh, yeah. megawatts of power getting generated there and my father used to show me these turbines and generators and so on so yeah. you can also describe this which state which district yeah. that will be good oh, yes, for our listeners oh yeah i should do that yeah. Uh. yeah so i got carried away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with this images of this dam in yes, mind so yes. yeah so i am actually uh, punjabi mm. by birth and uh, my the district in punjab called hoshiarpur mm. where this small town called tarwara is located on the banks of bias river nice. on which there is this dam called pong dam in fact my hometown was actually created to build this dam wow. around 1960s so you know all kinds of engineers and workers and uh, all kinds of people who were involved in building this dam they used to live used to in this in this hometown nice. nice. yeah so this is where i this is where grew up until my high school high school last nice yes nice now that you are finishing your high school yes. so do you did you have to move out of that place yes oh. so after that i got into punjab university which is in chandigarh mm. it's physics department mm. because i was clear like yeah. i yeah. don't want to do anything else than physics yeah. for some reason i appeared for uh, only this exam oh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i did not appear for engineering exams i yes i appeared for iit though yeah, yeah, yeah. and completely half heartedly <laughs> was like okay i don't want uh, an iit because in those days i did not know that in iits also one can do B bs bs ms and so yeah, probably right. in iit kanpur it yes, used to happen yeah. this i did not know no idea everyone is talking of engineering yeah. in those days so That's all right. i knew was that yes in punjab there is this place called chandigarh where this is a nice university called mm -hmm. punjab university and there is a nice physics department and if i am able to get into that that's very nice so i appeared for that exam exam cleared it and got into this department in the physics department wonderful wonderful 
yeah so after that i just did my bachelor there mm. and found some very nice teachers found interesting laboratories mm. not at the level of research but for undergrad undergraduate it was uh, quite nice and teachers were quite nice as well some of them three or four of them in fact punjab university has a good legacy of physics yes. right in yes. that sense uh, there have been many people who have emerged out of that particular field that is true actually mm. punjab university uh, is known also for its uh, first cyclotron yes, in india exactly yeah, yeah which was actually brought from uh, which was a used cyclotron i think which was brought from the us yes, somewhere yes and uh, it's still running still functioning and there are still experiments going on although the technology which is used for running the cyclotron has become old old yeah there are some tubes which are used to run this and those tubes are not available anymore and yeah. there is only <laughs> one spare with them and after a few years they do not know what to do wow, because okay. this will go off and then things are bad but yeah. on the other hand the the legacy as mm. you are talking about there are many physicists which mm. appeared from punjab university mm. and uh, i think uh, shanti swarup bhatnagar mm. who mm. created uh, csir uh, he was uh, associated yes. with yeah. punjab university i'll have to check actually check. Yeah. yeah and uh, yeah i mean the high energy physics group there is very very active, active. Yes. Yeah. yes so we have a good exposure to high energy mm. physics and uh, also low energy physics on cyclotron <laughs> level so these are some of the very some of the highlights very interesting so now uh, during the bsc days uh, how was your kind of education uh, you were trying to already think about what areas you are oh, uh, yes. getting interested oh yes now things become serious oh. uh, because once you are in bachelor and once you are doing an honors in physics you come across books of richard feynman yeah. immediately and then becomes suddenly very interesting and serious because these books kept me alive during my bsc i kept reading their chapters of richard feynman feynman lectures on physics i noticed them in now in your cupboard in your yeah. office as yeah, well yeah, yeah. <laughs> volume 1 yeah. and uh, you know now at, at this time one has to start thinking okay we like physics but what kind of physics we want to do as profession, profession. as well because at that level also all we are doing is going into the basics of everything mm. all pillars of physics and there are many and then uh, mostly we have an exposure to theoretical physics because of the culture Culture, of universities of india unfortunately the experimental physics needs a lot of money Absolutely. and that kind of money is not really available so one gets to know lots and lots of biographies of serious physicists like paul dirac like yeah, yeah. albert einstein like uh, uh, richard feynman and all of them mostly are theoreticians <laughs> absolutely so you know i'm glad you were mentioning this yes. because i i also had very similar education because i did my bachelor's and master's in state university yeah. in bangalore university especially masters program yeah had very very strong component of mathematical physics mm. and they were all very competent people who yeah. were teaching experimental one was not that great <laughs> only few of them were very good mm. but uh, this as you clearly properly mentioned and uh, it's a very important point that's uh, that actually has become an important aspect why a lot of good theoreticians have also emerged out of india Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a, a good reason, but not great for experimental training. That's true. Uh, yeah. That's true. And uh, this is uh, 
sort of unfortunate because the exposure to science mm. has a very important component from experimental physics. Absolutely. Extremely Absolutely. important. Yeah. I mean, unless a theory is tested by experiments, you never know if the theory is right or wrong or what's going on. Absolutely. Right? So, this training is uh, also very important to go through before deciding a career. career. But I was sort of already decided because of my exposure since my childhood. Mm -hmm. So, I knew I was uh, interested in experimental physics. But again, I was sort of drawn into theoretical physics nice. because of this exposure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, once I finished my bachelor, I was almost certain that I want to be a theoretical astrophysicist. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Okay. So, yeah. what happened was I applied for the summer school to Ayuka uh -huh. in Pune. Uh -huh. And this was my <laughs> first exposure to Pune. And I came to Pune. For oh, you two did months. come. Okay, I, okay. I came to Pune for two months. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I did a summer project on uh, analyzing the cosmic microwave background radiation data from WMAP observatory uh -huh. and this was 2006 and the person who was my guide was Professor Tarun Shoryadeep. <laughs> Tarun, yes. yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Tarun, Tarun was the one also then I encountered later on after yeah. 17 years. Wow. <laughs> no, 16 yeah, I should mention to, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to our listeners, Tarun was our erstwhile chair at the uh, Department of Physics at ISA Pune. And our dear colleague, uh, who is now the director of Raman Research Institute. Yeah. Correct, correct. So, amazing experience mm -hmm. at Ayoka. Mm -hmm. <coughs> amazing experience. Like, for, for the first time, I was among those people mm -hmm. who were passionate mm -hmm. and who I wanted to be around with. Nice. Like, who nice. thought like me, who wanted like me, who, want, who wanted to do serious science and so on. But again, I was uh, not really sure because after this summer school, I was like, okay, so this is what theoretical astrophysicists do because there was this very strong exposure in this school to lots and lots of theoretical astrophysicists who gave us lots of lectures and so on. And then I learned that uh, maybe this is not for me. I mean, of course, this is a great thing mm -hmm. in theoretical astrophysics because, you know, I always wanted to do things with my hand. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I have to build magnets, I have to build optical okay. setups and things like that. And this is probably not what... Uh, this is, I mean, this looks exciting, but as a, as a profession, profession, probably it's not for me True. because I am sitting on the desk all the time, reading papers and analyzing data and uh, things like that, or uh, trying to write some expressions and things like that, which did not really inspire me too much. Mm -hmm. And then I joined TIFR for my uh, PhD. For, for your PhD. This is a master and PhD. Master, because you are uh, you joined there as an integrated PhD. integrated PhD. So for listeners, integrated PhD program generally has a uh, has a kind of a master's and a PhD a kind of integrated <laughs> yes. with each other. Yes. Uh, this is generally done after the bachelor's program. Yes. Yeah. So now uh, I am in TIFR. This is 2006 and uh, a very strong coursework starts. Mm. And a huge exposure to experimental sciences begins. Nice. <clears throat> like, but it was actually a bit, bit too much now. <laughs> because first semester and we are supposed to do 10 experiments. Yes. And those 10 experiments are happening in different laboratories. Uh -huh. And those are all research grade experiments. We have to, for example, uh, lower the temperature of a superconductor and check where the transition happens and how it happens and measure things and so on. For example, and then, you know, 
this was a like a semester of like four months in which we are supposed to do this plus five other courses and this was a bit too much and uh, i sort of started to feel a bit demotivated mm. now mm. and that was not nice because first of all i got sick in bombay's weather mm. Mm. this was the sickness went on for two months oh wow as yeah. soon as you joined as soon as i joined mm. because i had a strong stomach infection and very strong fever and then this strong course were going on and i'm not able to perform really too well like i was a gold medalist from punjab yes. university but now after first semester in tifr i was in the end mm. <laughs> and this was quite demotivating and i'm like oh uh, i am probably not for physics mm. uh, this was after first semester okay second semester a bit better i still feel a bit demotivated i'm like uh, no no our people around me are way too smart mm. Mm. and i am probably not too good for physics this is what i started to feel that was a low time in my like undergrad or whatever this graduate school life right. yes. and uh, i was almost going to quit physics wow. i had decided that i will join uh, uh, some master in technology program because mm. again the thing that went in my mind was always these uh, hands on things magnets and optics and whatever and my i was like i will do some master in technology in instrumentation from indian institute of science this was my plan back then and i appeared for gate exam or whatever and huh. so on yeah like cleared that because in those days you know it was we had just done bachelor, bachelor yeah, yeah. and the books were freshly there in mind and we had worked hard during yeah. bachelor okay. and then all exams uh, we used to clear easily Easy. now if i have to give all the exams <laughs> i'm sure i won't be able to qualify exactly. exactly any case in any case so but then in my third semester i happened to do a project oh. again in astronomy and there was a telescope which was being built in nice. tf this was astrosat observatory astrosat. yeah yeah which yeah. is which is actually also some kind of uh, interesting developments are happening now yeah please correct yeah. yeah so yeah exactly yeah. at the present moment also <laughs> development so astrosat uh, was supposed to be an x-ray observatory which yeah. was supposed to go around the earth and look at the x-ray sources mm. in x-ray wavelength so it has to see the x-rays coming out from various yeah. sources from yeah. the universe and analyze data and find what's happening what's going on through this x-ray window and uh, there was lots of optics in there nice. so i joined this laboratory just for two months mm. for a short project and uh, i learned how to deposit thin films of gold to build some gold mirrors on some aluminum uh, sheets thin sheets and so on and this was an interesting experience this was a bit fresh uh, refreshing mm. but still i didn't see where i am doing science in there still because mm. i wanted to bring science and instrumentation together and then i started going around other labs now the thing is the following this integrated phd programs i like them a lot because they give you a lot of opportunities to go go around uh, to yeah. move around and to explore, explore your interests you can go to various laboratories you can go to various theoretical physics and do some sh short projects okay. and you know you can explore your interests and this was very good for me because i was uh, as i told i was getting demotivated but suddenly some things started falling back nice my interest started falling back and i joined uh, i went to some person called professor b m aroda mm. yes <laughs> who was going to almost going to retire mm -hmm. he had one year to go mm. and uh, i checked what he is doing what he was doing was he had this 
big superconducting magnet which was lying in a cryostat which had this liquid called liquid helium uh -huh. <laughs> liquefied gas uh -huh. and this brings down the temperature to 4 kelvin uh -huh. like 269 degrees below 0 degree centigrade this is already exciting to me and then i see ah there is a superconductor now in which you pass current once uh -huh. the current does not stop you have you just turn the power supply off it keeps on running there and the magnet keeps on you know getting charged yes. it's producing like huge magnetic field like 8 tesla now this was huge for me yeah, like yeah. the fridge magnet is like you know 0 0.1 tesla yeah. 0 0.01 tesla rather like so 8 tesla is like 800 times more than that so this is huge i mean uh, i was you know uh, surprised that this can pull objects from very, very far nice. and one has to keep uh, check on what you have in your pocket if something starts flying around, then you can hurt yourself and so on. So <clears throat> then I was impressed. Okay, my thoughts went back to the childhood. Yeah, magnet. Huh? <laughs> so this is a yeah. huge magnet now. And the other thing which I saw was there was lots of optics lying around on this table where there are shining light from various sources, lamps, lasers and so on. And in the optical fibers, you know, the optical fibers now take this light inside this cryostat in the magnet. And then there are these samples in the magnet, some serious physics happening there. Nice. Now, what kind of physics? Like, you know, physics of two dimensions. Two dimensions. Now. now, this brings in some theoretical physicists also. Now, nice. theoretical physicists always used to talk about like, you know, multidimensional Oh. <laughs> <laughs> multi-dimensional <laughs> physics and so on. I'm like, okay, multi-dimensional, but let's reduce, reduce the dimension. The dimension. <laughs> yes. Let's go one lower dimension. Now, this is two-dimensional physics and uh, the physics becomes very interesting there because what happens is like, you know, you produce some hydrogen atom-like things mm -hmm. in these materials called semiconductor quantum wells. Now, the semiconductor quantum wells, meaning these are, these are very thin crystals of certain materials mm -hmm such that if you put some electron or a hole in that crystal, it stays confined to move only in two dimensions, in X and Y plane, for example, and the Z direction cannot come out of the crystal. There is an energy barrier there. It cannot come out. So this is a two-dimensional aspect to this. The electron and hole are only able to move in two dimensions. Now the thing is, I mean, these electrons and holes, they can come together for a very brief time and they can create a hydrogen atom-like species called an exciton. Now, essentially, it is like a hydrogen atom which you have produced in a crystal, but now it's two-dimensional thing. Very nice. Very nice. The thing is the following. Yeah. All the kind of experiments that we do with these excitons, yeah. these two-dimensional species, for example, two-dimensional excitons, of yeah. course, excitons are also three-dimensional, but here we are only talking about two-dimensional. So, all kinds of things that you achieve by making some measurements and trying to get the physics out of these excitons, it exactly resembles the physics of hydrogen atoms, hydrogen atom. the quantum mechanics of hydrogen atoms in two dimensions. Now, this looked very interesting to mm. me because firstly, it brings so many things together, atomic physics. Mm. In atomic physics, you can do experiments on hydrogen atoms, sure, but you cannot produce two-dimensional hydrogen atoms. Of course, we can write Hamiltonians and quantum yeah. mechanics of uh, two-dimensional species, but mm -hmm. we cannot uh, like check them experimentally in atomic physics. Okay, so this was the system which brought me to this uh, nice area of two-dimensional hydrogen atoms. Oh, and then you have optics, which was my first love. Mm -hmm. And then you have magnets, which was also my first love. Okay. Zero's love. Both of them were zero's love. <laughs> <laughs> magnets Wonderful. and optics. So I, I want to just pause at, yes. at this particular point. And yes. uh, I wanted to kind of uh, ask you a few specific aspects. 
you mentioned about uh, a point in your graduate studies where you are about to quit yes you know this is a actually a problem a lot of people face especially when they move from uh, a place yes. where they would be very comfortable yes to a place where suddenly it becomes extremely not competitive yes. uh, but which actually takes them to a slightly more uh, a higher level yes puts them right into a, an arena where they get exposed to something very yeah. new something yeah. very very you know rigorous yeah. and other things yeah. you did not quit yes you know although you did mention yeah. this the process what was happening in your mind rashish what was that which actually you know somehow brought you up to the speed and uh, made you think that you would be able to do it because this is actually a make or break junction right yeah exactly mm-hmm. so so I and mean, if i understand you are asking like what made me stay back yes what what <coughs> really, uh, what was your thought process then how did you yes. make the decision so that the decision was simple uh, the decision was professor b m aroda and his lab beautiful very nice because you know i was suddenly at home in fact better than home nice. because now i have a magnet and mm-hmm. a superconducting magnet which produces huge magnetic field i have these lenses and these mirrors and all kinds of optics lying around and this gave me kick uh, okay. this and then i have to play with this liquid helium and liquid nitrogen and all these things which are very challenging to handle but once you learn all of this how to handle this is a lot of fun fun this is a lot of fun and then i'm like okay this is exactly the place which i wanted to be mm-hmm. because now here i can make my own things with my hands for example i can make all kinds of setups with optics and i can <laughs> use all kinds of ideas uh, to work on and so on and then professor b m arora he was such or he is such a person that you get addicted to him mm. yes yes you start yeah. talking to him you start talking science to him you get addicted mm. you are like no this is the life this is the life which i wanted this is the person and these are the people around and you know his team also there yeah. these are the people i want to be in and then there was no question at all to have second, second thoughts, thoughts of quitting fantastic fantastic yeah. see this is something very very important you know that is the reason why human element is so critical it's in doing science yeah, yeah. because we think okay objectively somebody who has done very well you are a gold medalist in yeah. your uh, in your bachelors mm-hmm. and uh, coming also from a good university where you mm-hmm. had a good foundation mm-hmm. but suddenly you are put in a place which is uh, which is kind of literally foreign to you in the sense you are trying to adapt your health is not doing yeah. fine and suddenly you find a, a kind of peace and uh, semblance correct. in particular place correct uh, which you can take it forward and uh, do correct. things correct and and you know the peace was in having these challenges at hands and now which i loved ah uh-huh. this was the peace. peace yeah because you know people who want to do science seriously they always want challenges yes they always want some problem at hand which they want to do yes it's kind of committing your 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 life exactly them, exactly yes, yes. and i was not able to find that problem, problem. for many years hmm. nice and finally i found and then there was no no time telling but beautiful beautiful yeah, yeah. the second point i want to kind of ask you is that very strong culture of experimental science in tfr Yes. I of course I have visited there yes. know a lot of good people yes. hopefully I'll also have many of them on on this uh, podcast but one of the very impressive aspect 
of TFR Mumbai and also in any other yes. uh, institutions related to TFR is that culture of strong physics yes. uh, and a very strong culture of experimental physics. Okay. Uh, would you want to emphasize, I'm looking at it yes. from a person who has done his education from there. You can always talk to a yes. professor. They yes. would also have a different yes. viewpoint. Yes. Yes. But I'm very interested in knowing <laughs> the education aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <coughs> this, this, this is a very important point which you mentioned. So, let me go back to that yeah. place. When I did then uh, my master thesis with Professor B.M. Yeah. Uh. And the culture will come out automatically uh. from this small story. Yeah. Which yeah. I am going yeah. to tell. Uh, so, th there is a, uh, you know, there is this laboratory where we are working now where we are trying to measure something yeah. called photocurrent, uh -huh. meaning we are shining some light and we are measuring some current. And we are trying to understand these uh, hydrogen atom-like species because they are made of electrons and holes and when they break, there is current. So they are alive only for some time, but then they break and then there is current. Now, <clears throat> this, this experiment was very challenging and challenging experiments like these are not really possible at many places in India. Okay, what I mean is the following. For example, there is a home-built uh, magnet system, mm -hmm. uh, superconducting magnet system, which was, you know, some cryostat which was very old in which some superconducting magnet was bought and it was put in there by a person called Professor Vishwajit Karmakar, uh, uh, yes. who is now in Saha Institute yes, of okay. Nuclear Physics. An yeah. excellent experimentalist. I had just spent two days with him uh, when he trained me on his system and it was absolutely wonderful yeah. time. Now, what I learned was in in during those days, we, we were building some setup and this setup was completely to be built in-house. And this was a precision machining, machining which yes. needed. So the thing is, the thing was the following. The idea was we have to take polarized light inside the cryostat through an optical fiber. Now, when you take polarized light through optical fiber, polarization yes. is gone. Yes. So what yes. to do? So what to do is we put this polarizer and this quarter wave plate because we have to produce circularly polarized light there, right in the cryostat at 4 Kelvin, just above the sample. So we make our own sample holder with places to put small you know, lenses and uh, and uh, this uh, polarizer and quarter wave plate and so on. Now this needed precision machining. I thought, yeah, maybe there would be some factory where they would do this. But then I go with uh, Vishwajit to this uh, workshop of TIFR. This is now this huge workshop of TIFR mm -hmm. where there are all kinds of machines. I mean, you think about something to machine and it's there. You think about something. Okay, for example, I have to make some mm, some crucial parts for a satellite okay and these parts would need machining from very thin metallic pieces and they have to be combined and then their specific shape has to be given and so on and all it has it has to be done all in a very precise way and you know it has to be done using computers and so on everything is there nice. in that i was very impressed looking at all this facility where we built certain part of this setup but this was not all because this machines they turn off at four o'clock in the evening okay. and then everyone goes home. <laughs> now we are not allowed to enter this workshop but Vishwajit and I had only two days so we had to use nights. Okay. So Vishwajit was very good or he is very good with hands. He is very good with machining himself. All he needs is machines himself, yeah. the access to machines. Now there is a small workshop as well which is uh, personal to the condensed metal physics department. We go there and uh, he starts to turn all these machines yeah. on. He finds all the equipment and he starts to 
machine everything himself and overnight like maybe we spent eight or nine hours wow. and we have done it's we are done by the morning he has braced everything together wherever some welding is needed he has done <laughs> and i'm just looking at it with an astonishment on what is happening am i in some magic show or what <laughs> <laughs> magic show that's a good one <laughs> <coughs> this this was like this was a magic show for yeah. me and then we have this uh, very finely machined uh, equipment at hand which we have just built i could not imagine doing all of this i mean but it was there all of this was there uh, and then we built this setup we by the evening we saw the first signals which we wanted to see everything works we you know reverse the direction of magnetic field the signals reversed and everything is working fine the polarization is fine current is coming and vishwajit says Okay, Arora ji, you are good to go, oh. and I am also good to go. I have to go back to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> so he had come from Italy. He was doing a postdoc. Okay, and then uh, yeah, this is how I got uh, inspired with all these facilities, and you know, there is this huge liquid helium plant in TIFR where you liquefy helium, helium. and this. Yeah. helium is put in containers liquid helium and then is supplied to labs and now helium is an expensive gas yeah. so it evaporates and then in every lab there are these tubes which go back to liquid helium plant where they collect this helium in this huge balloons and then they are compressed back into the this uh, these uh, uh, cylinders this very high pressurized cylinder where the pressure is huge mm -hmm. i mean i don't know 200 bar or something wow. or 250 okay. bar uh, something like that and then that is used to liquefy it again again uh yeah so i was very impressed with all these facilities so tifr actually was a very nourishing uh, experience Beautiful. for learning Beautiful. but this was only until master i have told uh, <laughs> uh, yes yes <laughs> this was uh, something where the interest was building up uh. but more serious stuff started happening in my phd yes uh, i don't know if you want to pause yes, me here no, or yeah yeah okay. please go ahead go okay, ahead so yeah then you know my master thesis was finished uh. and it finished with the infector paper and because we wrote a paper saying that yes we can build such setups ourselves yeah. Yeah. Uh, by putting uh, all these optics at 4 kelvin and it works wonderful all you have to do is to you know paste this optics with a very small dot of a glue and don't put glue everywhere because optic will shrink and will break mm -hmm. but this small dot of glue it helps uh, you know to stick the optics there but at the same time it also leaves a room to compress and expand you know with uh, with uh, and there is no strain also so with temperatures anyway so after that i now professor arora retired yeah okay soon and uh, his lab was dismantled oh okay and this was a personal <laughs> personal i felt like a personal loss, loss to me yeah, i understand <laughs> because i helped building some setups there and yeah. it was a very we came up we got a paper out of it as well mm. and this was on instrumentation mm. and exactly the things which i want which i had thought of since childhood like yeah. magnets and optics but then i found that uh, professor arora's ex phd student now who was also a associate assistant yes, yes. or associate associate professor there mm. i think professor sandeep ghosh yes and uh, he is available for guiding me for a phd nice, nice so this was already decided when i was doing my master oh, and then the, it, and then uh, when i talked to sandeep he like what we are going to do for a phd he said that we will 
buy a superconducting magnet we will buy a electromagnet we have to build setups mm. i'm like okay again back. home <laughs> okay, back good. to home <laughs> so i immediately yeah. joined this lab and again low temperature stuff we have to build these setups which are now supposed to be very high precision magneto optics called curve rotation Kar- yeah. spectroscopy and so on and uh, doing curve rotation spectroscopy is not very easy because you have to you know you have to achieve uh, wavelength dependence uh-huh. by playing some tricks, tricks okay. with the setup and these tricks we solved and we also you know published all of these tricks after we solved them for example the first thing that we solved was how to transport light polarized light in various corners of lab without destroying the polarization and sandeep had this wonderful idea that mm. if you just make a two mirror arrangement mm. Mm. where if you make one reflection suppose upwards another reflection then maybe in the right yeah. direction yeah. then this we called it as a twisted periscope arrangement yes. and this will if the two mirrors are like the polarization stays the same Fantastic. and we proved it using some experiments called ellipsometry yes and then uh, you know first puzzle was solved on how to take light from production to detection or to the sample and so on the second problem was how to achieve faraday geometry where magnetic field is in perpendicular to the sample and light is also mm. perpendicular to the sample but we have to use a broadband lamp and so on okay i'm not going to go into details but yeah, there were yeah. challenges which we heart wholeheartedly expect, accepted to solve and we solved Wonderful. and it was a very nice experience and then uh, there was a superconducting magnet which arrived into lab and we set that up did lots of interesting physics exactly. of uh, hydrogen atoms yes, yes. Uh, you know this uh, hydrogen atom so uh, equivalence in solids, in, uh, in solids. In solids yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, called excitons, excitons and yeah. we did all this physics various aspects of these like how they behave in Uh, under various strain hmm. environment when you put strain to hydrogen atom you shift the lattice constant of the solid what happens and so on <clears throat> all the, and when you put them in high magnetic fields what happens with the sensitive spectroscopy techniques such as magnetic optical curve effects all these things and this was very nourishing this was completely thoroughly rewarding because in all of these five years which i spent doing all these experiments i was meeting all kinds of people mm-hmm. from technical and physics mm-hmm. way because the technical staff of tifr it's huge and it's extremely, extremely talented, talented. Yes. <clears throat> and you go to this workshop and you make friends with them yeah. you go for tea with them mm-hmm. and you keep on discussing these ideas on how to build various things and uh, and it's amazing i mean and the low temperature facility people you know they used to come to the lab just at like you know i i just would say call them okay i have this problem in the lab where helium has started to leak from a tube they would immediately bring their brazing kits braze that fix the leak and build things and so on this was all very rewarding this was a culture which was sort of unparalleled i did not see this even abroad fantastic this culture fantastic. yeah beautifully explained <clears throat> so now i am going to kind of expand on your future uh, further experience after phd so you graduate uh, at, uh, in which year 2013 2013 and then you you move like a move to europe yes which turned out to be one of the very interesting periods of your uh, experimental uh, career correct uh, tell us the transition and the trajectory yes <laughs> so now so my phd supervisor he trained me 
in a way that I became extremely careful in handling optics and setups and in thinking yeah. very deeply into the data and analysis. And he was also a very, he is a very good statistician also. <coughs> you can notice <coughs> many of his papers are also in yeah. pure theory. Yeah. He does this uh, uh, something called K dot P model calculations, yeah. for example which is a perturbation theory calculation theory, yes, yes. to find the effect of strain on various things such as these excitons and so on. And I learned all of this theory also. Now, after this training of being very thorough and careful, mm -hmm. um, I was like, okay, what next? Is the training going to be different or the same when I'm going to be in postdoc? Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you are in, a, when you are going to think of a postdoc, you're going to a new country where probably the language is not yours. You even, I mean, people don't speak English, English even there, yes, the yes. culture could be completely different. It could be quite, uh, I don't know, challenging mm, to mm. adjust. And then the challenge, main challenge during the postdoc is that, look, this postdoc position is for a two years. Mm. In these two years, you have to prove that you can <laughs> embed yourself in that culture and you can produce some nice it research and uh, papers and uh, things like that. Now, this can get extremely challenging because you are going to an established lab where people are already working and you have to start uh, with your own project somehow, start getting into that uh, that lab and using their yeah. setups or build your own setups. And so I did not know how it, it will be done. Anyway, so I had applied to many positions, no one in America. I only mm. applied to Europe. The reason... Why? Why? Is there a reason? Yeah, there was a reason actually because I talked to so many people yeah. and I found one thing which was common <laughs> and the thing that was common was that I don't know if it's true or not yeah. Huh? Yeah. pardon me because I have never worked in America yeah, yeah well, absolutely fine. so the thing that I heard from everyone was that in America the culture is such that you are not really having a work-life balance mm -hmm. you are working mm -hmm. probably day and night in a lab also probably on the weekends mm -hmm. And uh, that could be challenging at times. Mm. Of course, I had I was trained in this way in TIFR, but now I started to think about some work-life balance. balance yeah, yeah. Because I wanted some discipline in life. Yes. yes. You know, in TIFR, we were not really disciplined. Mm. We were like, you know, sometimes I would come at 2 in the afternoon and leave at 6 in the morning. And this mm. was not sometimes, this was most of my time. <laughs> <laughs> my supervisor would come at 11 in the morning, maybe or 10.30 and he would leave at 3 in the morning. Mm. This was his routine. Like, you know, he would sleep maybe 6 or 7 hours and then he would be there until 3 in the morning. I wanted to somehow deviate from this. And I learned that in Europe, the culture is different. Mm. In mm. Europe, you know, you come at work at 9 and leave at 5.30 or 6. Mm. But at work, you only do work. work. No yeah, websites, no, no phones, Absolutely. nothing. You stay Absolutely. very sincere, you stay very disciplined and uh, you also enjoy life. Absolutely. And this is something which I missed in here. I enjoyed life, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but in a different yeah, way. Yeah, but it's not a sustainable way of living. Correct. It's uh, not a sustainable yeah. way because, you know, at some point you have to start thinking about your health, health as yeah, well. Yeah. You have to start thinking about your mental health mm. and Absolutely. all of Absolutely. these things like if you are awake whole night, you know, all kinds of hormones are released yes. at night, yeah. which are supposed to be released when you are sleeping and exactly. not when you are awake. Absolutely. So it can affect your mental health. And I had started feeling all of this as mm. well by mm. the end of PhD that there could be some changes which are coming. 
in any case so i got an offer from uh, this uh, laboratory called national high magnetic field laboratory in france yes in yes. grenoble, in grenoble. Mm -hmm. and this was unique because as soon as i visited them for giving an interview i know i learned that they have these huge magnets which are some of their kinds in the world mm -hmm. like such facilities are probably there at three or four places yes. in the world where you produce a magnetic field of like 35 or 40 tesla 38 tesla and uh, this is not easy to produce because you have you use some generators mm. i mean a powerhouse really for powering this magnet which is like 24 megawatt wow now this okay. 24 megawatt can be used to power for example five rajdhani express trains yes. all together <laughs> <laughs> so this this is just for one magnet and now this magnet gets heats up so you have to cool it down so there's huge water pumps and you pass like 300 liters of water every second this water enters at like 16 degrees centigrade and leaves at 95. So you get water from one river, there are two rivers between, between which there is this magnet facility. Yeah. You take water from one river, pass it through magnet and uh, push it to the other river. <laughs> so Fantastic. Some, something like this was happening. And now this was crazy. I mean, this was like, okay, this is, uh, this is dream. <laughs> some huge facilities where you can work now and this is not only that I mean of course this is an instrumental aspect but look at that you have scientists coming from all around the world oh, yes, yes. to do their experiments there yes because yes. to get the time of this facility it's very challenging because you write some proposals and then these proposals are evaluated and only some proposals are awarded others are not and by awarded what I mean is like one magnet time is of the order of 40 lakh rupees mm. so you you know stay seven days there to do your experiment for 40 hours you have an access to magnet and one hour costs one lakh rupees to just run this magnet so this was crazy i mean i i was like okay this is the place where i can grow a lot by meeting lots and lots of scientists from all across the world mm. some of the best in their area of research nice of nice. course i had access to this facility also but this was also through proposals mm. because this was a facility which belonged to european magnetic field laboratories which are four in total and you can only get through after this whole commission uh, checks your proposal and uh, awards it doesn't matter if you are in that lab or not yeah. if your proposal is not sound enough you are not going to get an access to this facility there were of course superconducting magnets and so on. If you know your experiment is not there at this big 30 Tesla magnet, you do it 14 Tesla uh, with the superconducting magnet. Anyway, so this was very rewarding. This experience was amazing because my supervisor there, Professor Marek Potemsky, an amazing person. Mm -hmm. I mean, this person is like a no-nonsense guy. You go to him with some with some uh, uh, thing at hand, some problem or some issue at hand, you get an answer in a few words or in few lines mm -hmm. and he will not you know speak much on uh, on explaining it too much uh, you have already understood it nice. so he knows where you are and he knows what you are capable of and he tells you exactly the thing that you want to know but on the other hand there is another aspect you go to his office to discuss fundamental physics you take a textbook 
and he would discuss with you three hours, four hours, all <laughs> kinds of physics in details. Nice. I mean, these are two completely contrasting <laughs> things because one thing is extremely technical and modern research. He would speak only a few words on that. Other things he leave on you to find it out. On the basics, he would speak to you for many hours, and this was it's very, unusual. Actually, yeah, this was amazing. amazing. I mean, he would bring a pen and paper and he would start writing equations, start drawing diagrams, yeah. start explaining to you all history. He would tell you history of magnetism, yes. magneto-optics yes. and all kinds of people who are involved in the field and so on because he was the one who had learned, yeah. who had lived this, yes, exactly. who had lived yeah. this field himself. Anyway, so <clears throat> but after a year of spending this enriching time there, I shifted to as a uh, Alexander von Humboldt fellow in Germany. So for two years, I was an Alexander von Humboldt Fellow in uh, University of Münster yes, in Germany. Yes. Münster is a small town very close to Netherlands. Yeah. So it's in the west north of Germany. Germany. And uh, a very cold town yeah. where uh, most of the time there is no sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> it's always raining. Münster and monsoon sounded similar to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you know, for a few months, maybe two months, you get some sun. And it's another challenge now because it's a cold place and rainy place. Anyway, but the but the physics uh, was superb. Nice. Again, I found a facility similar to previous places, such as in Grenoble or in TIFR. There is a super precision machining workshop in Münster, and then there is a. Uh, there is this liquid compression, liquid mm. helium collection plant and so on. So all of this is again there. So I felt very home again there. But the only thing that was not there was this large magnets, mm. like this superconducting magnet. There was a small magnet, 1.4 Tesla. So this is what I had to use. Uh, I was used to now these large magnetic fields by now and all my experiments. So I used to go back to Grenoble now and then yeah. to do experiments. I kept on writing proposals and kept on winning them and kept going back six or seven times I went back and did experiments. Wonderful results from there, very nice papers and so on. But on the other hand, I was like, okay, with this small magnet, since I have this at home, I have to build high precision techniques mm. so that I can improve my signal to noise ratio noise by 50 times and then whatever I am doing in 50 Tesla I can do in one Tesla Not also. Right? Nice. And this is something which we achieved uh, when it was COVID because mm. this was a very challenging thing mm. to achieve, mm. extremely challenging uh, because you know we have these uh, materials which are the thinnest materials of the universe. Mm. Mm. They are like 100,000 times thinner than your hair thickness. So these are the materials, these are some semiconductors on which we are supposed to learn two-dimensional two physics now. We are supposed to learn uh, how these materials can be used for various quantum phenomena to use them for devices and so on. Mm. We have to investigate quantum phenomena in these. Very interesting subject. But the challenge is that the size of these materials, lateral size is very small, small. one to two micron or so on. So in these sizes, I had never really worked on high precision techniques earlier mm. because in TIFR when I had developed high precision things that was on uh, very large crystals mm. like 5 mm by 5 mm, 7 mm by, but this was like 5 micron by 5 micron. This became extremely challenging. The optics became quite complicated and the magnetic field uh, started doing various things to the optics mm. and the complications and then the sample would move a bit because magnet is always 
compressing the body of the yes. magnet called magnetostriction <laughs> or cryostat is always you know moving the sample a bit even mm -hmm. if it's a bit like even if it i learned that even if it's 50 nanometers of movement mm -hmm. over a period of like four minutes or five minutes this is devastating mm -hmm. and i'm not able to do my experiment so these challenges we overcame slowly and during covid times it was quite fruitful as well <laughs> because i had a fresh over look, look on all look. of this i left all other projects and just worked on solving this challenge wonderful Oh, and then it was done and it was just published last year actually mm, mm. and I am quite proud of that work. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So this postdoctoral time in Germany was quite rewarding. Quite. Yes. You also became a junior uh, uh, yes. kind of group leader, right? There yes. Also, that was, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. So after that, okay, now this is uh, interesting. Mm. So, you know, Alexander von Humboldt Foundation mm. in Germany, they, they give some postdoctoral fellowships and uh, then you are quite independent mm -hmm. <clears throat> because first of all you are getting a decent amount of money on the other hand the university in which you are working has nothing to do with do it, it yes. all the administration is lying in humboldt foundation and humboldt foundation is extremely anti-bureaucratic oh <laughs> there is no bureaucracy man i mean you just call them and say uh, look i have some issue with my insurance uh -huh. And uh, my doctor refused to take this insurance card. Mm -hmm. They would say, don't worry, we will man handle this. And they would call the doctor and they would handle it. And I would not even know, I'll get the letter saying mm -hmm. that everything is sorted. Fantastic. I mean, Fantastic. And then you say, okay, I have to go abroad and I have, uh, I need flight and so on. You will get your flight ticket and so on next day and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's no, in fact, this is something I've heard from many people. Uh, yeah. Because uh, it is probably one of the organization which yeah. will uh, which will not only have an association with you for those years, yes. but it is a lifetime, is a lifetime kind of, of thing. That is true. Yeah. So every three years for three months, I can go to Germany, mm -hmm. funded by Humboldt Foundation. Wonderful. So it's a lifetime. Fantastic. Thing. So that's Fantastic. very nice. But why I was telling you all of this was that I was spoiled mm. because I got so independent. There is no teaching required, uh, uh, no bureaucracy rather. Uh, university's bureaucracy is not even close to. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so no bureaucracy, and then I was addicted <clears throat> of being independent mm. because then I learned that once this contract is over of Humboldt Foundation, mm. I will be given a contract with the by the university where I will have to teach. Mm. And the teaching can be a lot sometimes. And but I wanted to like travel around by doing research in Grenoble or in India or wherever. I was establishing collaborations, and with teaching regular teaching, it becomes difficult during mm -hmm. postdoc time. Because in the postdoc time, you have to keep on writing proposals, you have to keep on writing papers, and all of this can become hectic very fast. Very fast. <clears throat> I thought, okay, teaching anyway, I have to teach at some point. Uh, as an assistant professor or maybe later years of postdoc, yes. I will voluntarily teach. I loved to, I loved to teach, but at that time my priority was different. Mm. So at that time, then I started looking for other options and I applied for uh, German Research Foundation grant, mm. which is called Deutsche Forschungsgemeinschaft. Uh, so this grant, again, very challenging, <coughs> but it gives you again uh, Humboldt-like experience mm. of uh, of independence, no teaching, and it's so you own grant money, and you also get money for lab. It's significant money really? for lab, like of the order of fifty thousand euros for lab, oh, also every year. That's good. As oh. a, 
so and then uh, you can also take master students and guide their okay. thesis you can't guide phd students because okay. the grant is for only 2 years mm -hmm. so but you can unofficially of course all the time do that so the addiction continued of this independence uh, i was a junior group leader now mm -hmm. on this grant and i had master thesis and uh, my first master thesis was quite successful we got a prl out of that and second master thesis was also quite nice and so on it was quite nice very rewarding and uh, very uh, independent experience mm -hmm. so this went on for so i i uh, you know based on the performance which we gave on this grant i requested for an extension we extended for it for two more years nice nice so that was quite nice not too really uh, yeah due to covid it was extended a bit more more yeah yeah so it was extended and so the total time was four years nice so four years i was on this position uh, when i was also starting to look for okay. positions in india coming back okay. tell us about that point now we take hmm. a turn back to subcontinent <laughs> okay so and how much time do we have yeah yeah we have we have some time don't okay, worry we have some time. yeah 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 no problem okay because you know <laughs> uh, no, okay. because uh, briefly at yeah. least give us because i want yeah. to also get into your currently current uh, research ah uh, that's very important yeah, 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 yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the reason we are now making a transition right? yeah so uh, you know after uh, mm. you know all these experiences and i had started applying back mm. for coming back to india quite challenging because these were covid days mm -hmm. and i had sent applications only at three places mm. my only reason for coming back to india was that i want to be first among good people mm. i want to be among people who also speak my language mm. Mm. and i want to do science outreach mm. Mm. but at the same time i want to be in a good city yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard, hard when 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 diagram problem <laughs> <laughs> good city as in there should be low levels of let's say pollution <laughs> there should be decent level of traffic not much yeah. and uh, it should be an academic city, academic city yes because i wanted to be surrounded by academicians and uh, all kinds of academics i mean there has to be biology physics mm. chemistry industry whatever mm. all kind colleges and so on so there were only two two uh, <laughs> cities which uh, fitted this venn diagram one is pune other can you guess or do yeah. you want to guess i have a bias Yeah, Bangalore. You will say Bangalore. Okay. <laughs> no, Bangalore say, actually did more. not happen for me because Bangalore, you know, I found it too congested. In this year, when uh, because I had been in Bangalore in 2016. Immediately after that, I had come to Pune also. Okay. okay. <laughs> And that was the days of demonetization yeah. when I was in Pune, <laughs> in Aisar Pune. I was in Goa. No, you. <laughs> Actually, okay. on the day of the demonetization. <laughs> okay, yeah. So lots of fun went off. <laughs> anyway, so you know, one was Pune, other which fitted to me was Hyderabad. Uh, nice. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I should mention. You know, yeah. there are many cities. Yeah. Qualify this. Yeah. The, yeah. Could be, but these were the two yeah, which fitted yeah. for me. Yeah. For my personal situation. Yeah. and uh, then i applied to pune and hyderabad i got one offer from uh, iit hyderabad mm. other offer i got from iisr pune mm. and uh, i had also sent an application to bangalore mm. <laughs> which you said which i wholeheartedly defended <laughs> but the defense was just too early there i was this was my first application and my first uh, in iisc my first uh, uh, experience with such an interview i was not really prepared as well on the other hand uh, 
Hyderabad and Pune. They went quite well and I decided to come to Pune. Now, things immediately took a different turn mm. once I came here. The COVID had like vanished, yeah. most more or less. I was put in quarantine surely. But that this was, was which year? Exactly. This was 2021, September 21. So, after yeah. something like eight years in Europe, I was back. So, uh, you know, I immediately started enjoying uh, interacting with students mm. and the faculty. Yeah. The faculty, uh, extremely charming, mm. very young mostly, even if uh, they are old by age, yes. they are very young by heart and by the way they interact. Okay. Mm. No hierarchy really, yeah, yeah, no I hierarchy. did not feel any hierarchy here. And uh, But still I started to feel some challenges because I am an experimentalist. Mm, mm. And, now, and, and, and as an experimentalist, when you come back to India, there are some obvious challenges. The number one challenge is the following, that in India we do not produce high precision equipment. Right. Very correct. Everything we have to import. Mm. Mostly, I, I would say like 95% or 90% we have to import. Uh, this is quite unfortunate. The government is trying their best to get over this, but uh, with limited success That's so far right. when it comes to high precision equipment. Uh, the thing is, I mean, on the other hand, the import has become extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to get something from abroad, one has to go through many different channels yes. of yeah. approvals, also approval from ministry, from Delhi and so on, which slows down things drastically. Now, as scientists, when we are competing with the whole world, because my always my ambition is to stay among the best, best in the world. That's why we are doing science in Aysar Pune. But when we are competing with the world and if we are facing these challenges that uh, we are ordering some screws and they are coming after six months, it's not a nice situation. Nice situation. You're right. You're right. So that became challenging. The, so, I mean, the other challenge is, uh, you know, money. Mm. Because, you know, to build a high class lab, which I was used to, like in TIFR or in Grenoble mm. or in Minster, one needs of the order of four to five crores mm. to begin with easily. And uh, the rule of the government at the moment is that you will get 25 lakh as a startup mm -hmm. money and after that institute can help. And, yeah. But institute also is tied. I mean institute yeah. is yeah. not able to help a, uh, like too much. So one can get like 60 or 70 lakhs total of this which is spread over a year mm -hmm. or so. But all our equipment, uh, you know, is quite expensive. For example, if I have to buy a magnet, mm -hmm. this will cost easily 60 lakh. So true, <laughs> one true. can just buy a magnet and nothing else, mm -hmm. you know. Our experiments need like a spectrometer, which can be like 70 lakh, um, superconducting magnet, 2 crores. And then other things, optics, optical tables yeah. and everything and cryostat, all of these combined will need 2 crore more. So these become quite challenging to put one experiment when together. Yes. On the other hand, the most interesting aspect which I found in India is the feeling of community yeah. and the feeling of, uh, I don't know, society mm. or whatever. So, <laughs> as soon as I came here, I started getting in touch with some excellent faculty members who are ex excellent experimentalists such as Professor G.V. Pavan Kumar, such as Professor such as Professor T.S. Mahesh. <laughs> Uh, I am calling, I am telling these names because these are the names who actually helped me kickstarting my lab by donating equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So first, Professor T S Mahesh. He has he has a room uh, lying around when I'm I have just joined, and this room was used by a postdoctoral researcher who had moved uh, for next uh, things in life, and then he offered me to start things there. Now in this room there is a very nice cryostat, there is a magnet, there is a optical bench. So to begin with, I have something which is uh, already impressive because this yes, is a high-end yes. equipment. What I don't have is a spectrometer without which I can't do much. What I don't have is now optics mm -hmm. and uh, what I don't have is a cryostat where I can do uh, optics experiments, Experiment. microscopy experiments. Yes. So yes. those challenges now I have to beat. So what I do, I start writing grants after grants after grants. Mm -hmm. So far, I have submitted, you know, some 17 proposals. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I kept on writing wherever yeah, I yeah. was trying to look for <laughs> some money, wherever I uh, checked there is some money available with some agency or some agency with foreign or whatever. And some I got success, like I got core research grant, which was yeah. a bit more than 50 lakh in total. And some other grant like, uh, uh, like uh, Chanakya Fellowship mm -hmm. from IHUB Foundation, some other money from IHUB Foundation of ISER Pune and some other projects also. Something called STARS project, which yeah. is of yeah. Ministry of Education, which got approved as well. And I got like 50 lakh from there and so on. So things started to roll. The challenges which are bureaucratic challenges soon I got used to and everything which needed like probably six months came down to four months right. because I learned how the system works and so on and what needed to one and a half year now takes one year. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Not drastic improvement but still improvements yeah. and uh, yeah soon I have come to a stage where we are now started to do some excellent experiments. Nice, nice. Yeah, with the help from all of the colleagues, <laughs> for example, from Mr. Pavan, I yeah, got yeah, lots yeah. of optics and lots of optomechanics to kickstart. And not only that, uh, uh, from TIFR, my supervisor, my ex-supervisor in TIFR, Professor Sandeep Ghosh, very kind human. I mean, one yeah, of the fantastic. best people. <laughs> very, very nice. You yeah. know, I've had very interesting and nice interactions with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's going to be interesting with him yeah. because he's so down to earth yeah. and uh, always sincere and smiling yeah. and gentle and thorough. I still keep on meeting him and talking to him regularly. It mm. feels like he's still my PhD guy, yeah. <laughs> still a mentor. So he, you know, he had lots of old equipment which had run out of battery, say, mm. meaning that was not really useful for him. But uh, if uh, with some improvements and some fixings, it can be made to work. Okay. So he donated me some truck full of equipment, which is very old, but which is very useful. And all this equipment now I'm also clubbing with my experiments and we have come to a situation. In fact, now I have four integrated PhD students and one master student, master nice. thesis student and other project students. Excellent people, people because you know, in India, the positive thing is that the students yes. are for free. <laughs> yeah. Which on a, on a, uh, from a viewpoint of a professor from, compared to US. From or, yeah, compared US. to US or Europe. Because there you have to keep on writing projects and finding money always to fund students. But here the institute fortunately Fortunate funds some that. students. Yeah. There are the, the students bring their own uh, so, so, uh, yeah, fellowship fellowships yeah. and so on. Yeah. So this is what I tell my foreign colleagues mm. to make them jealous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, see, but, 
you that's probably the biggest strength of uh, indian research community is the human resource exactly uh, in fact maybe not the infrastructure maybe not the kind of uh, uh, you know conventional uh, import and export etc right but people people right. is our strength all right yeah. people are our strength and the feeling of community Coming, and yeah. working together and yeah. standing with uh, others in thick and thin yeah. Yeah. This is this this is something which has uh, kept me addicted in Aisar Pune. The other aspect, of course, is teaching and teaching, outreach. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I should mention to things. our listeners that Ashish is a very very popular physics teacher here at Aisar Pune, and of course, I'm going to come to that small point later. But before that, uh, Ashish, tell us a, very briefly about what is the kind of experiments you are setting up in in currently in your lab. Okay, and uh, what are the problems you are interested in? Yes. So now, you know, the world has moved forward from uh, some two-dimensional semiconductors and the movement is towards combining these two-dimensional semiconductors with two-dimensional magnets mm -hmm. because magnetism was achieved in two dimensions in 2017. It was invented mm -hmm. actually, mm -hmm. discovered. So it was mm -hmm. discovered in 2017 <clears throat> and after that there was this push of uh, producing semiconductor and magnetic devices together mm. for future generation of technologies. Now the challenge is with the present technologies such as electric technology, electronic technologies mm. and so on is that as you are going for miniaturization more and more, you are reaching the quantum limits mm. and there the devices are not, not, not going to work the okay. way they are working at the moment. So the classical computers are not going to work if mm. you are making the, making the transistors even smaller. Mm. <coughs> Secondly, the, you know, there's always a lot of heat loss, heat loss because, you know, you always are using charge as the property of an electron to produce current and the promotion of charge leads yeah. to joule heating and lots of energy gets wasted in all these computational devices, data centers and whatever, everywhere, wherever electronics is. So people are looking for various ways of solving these issues like there is a quest for room temperature superconductivity everywhere mm, mm. and in the semiconductors area there is a quest for finding semiconductors and magnetic devices such as you can use some other things such as the spin of an electron mm. or some other magnetic moments of electrons one is called valley degree of freedom mm -hmm. which is mm. also sort of a spin, spin. It's, it's a it's a magnetic moment so all these properties which can, we can use if we can build some devices out of these then we are able to overcome all these problems because the by using other such as pins or valley degrees of freedom and so on which have recently come up one can create dissipation free devices nice so nice. one can because the motion of some spin hmm. wave does not need does, does not need to waste energy it, it does not need motion of charge nice movement of nice. charge is not needed so the energy is not wasted so in our lab we are working with all these things things okay and we are putting them together this problem we are trying to solve and uh, the method which we are using to understand all the physics inside all of this is again magneto optical spectroscopy high precision techniques which we have developed mm -hmm. and uh, we are building them we have built them actually already at Aisar Pune with the help from various colleagues and then there is a factory very nice factory yeah, in yeah. Pune called 4 yeah, now these guys are good at precision machining unfortunately in Aisar Pune we are still not very good mm. at precision mm. machining there are machines but <laughs> yeah, human still, resources are still, still a problem, problem for operating these machines yeah. 
So we go get it done from outside and we have built some setups where we can do all kinds of optical spectroscopy mm -hmm. such mm -hmm. as Raman, luminescence, absorption, reflectance, transmission and so on at low temperature as a function of temperature, as a function of spatial, spatial resolution with uh, mm -hmm. a micron resolution or so and so on. So in the magnetic fields, so Faraday rotation, car rotation. So things like that. That's Wonderful. what we are progressing. progressing. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So now one of the other aspect which I would want to discuss uh, is uh, your outreach activities. Yes. Uh, one of the many things what you do, yes. of course, apart from you know interacting with even school children and other other things, yeah. is you have an online uh, YouTube channel which yes. is a fantastic uh, kind of initiative which is called as India Science Theatre. Yes. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about that yeah. and uh, <coughs> the background behind that? Yes. So, you know, as soon as uh, uh, COVID started to happen, I found some time when I was in Germany. And uh, that time I wanted to spend uh, towards uh, putting some efforts in improving science uh, education in India. Mm. Mm. somehow because my main goal was come to come back to India, India of course yeah. and I had decided so I was like why not just bring some people together who are of similar mind and who can you know convey science which is accessible mm. to public in their language it's not only the language the the language in which we speak it's also the language in which it's to be told told nice nice and these two things are very difficult to find mm. in many scientists to be mm, honest mm, mm. you find some people here and there who are able to do this nicely but then to bring them together on the same platform it becomes challenging so what we did was during this time since people had already gotten very comfortable with zoom yeah, and with yeah, yeah. <laughs> online, online teaching yeah. and uh, all these things we built this online youtube channel and uh, and uh, facebook group called india science theater this Facebook group has grown into now 7,500 people. Fantastic. And uh, India Science Theatre has around 1,500 subscribers, yes, not yes. much. The No, no, For actually for science related yeah. activities, these are outstanding numbers. Know, yeah. You should not go by you know, <laughs> conventional, uh, you know, some, uh, yeah. some other YouTube. Uh, yeah, things. the target is to reach <laughs> millions. Yeah, yeah. So, the thing is that, see, yeah. uh, this is I keep telling to a lot of people, including some yeah. other podcasters and other things. What happens is uh, this effect is non-linear. Yes. A lot of these uh, measures and metrics yeah. are uh, only one part of it. Because, yes. you know, how much engagement you have. You yes. know, YouTube channels generally have only five seconds of uh, views sometimes. Correct. Correct. And that they still add it as a, an, a view, right? Yes. yes. But uh, what is the engagement? You take, for example, some science channel which people are really engaged. Yes. In fact, the engagement probably would be even one minute. Yeah, yeah. That is a big, big achievement compared to exactly. people who have one million subscribers yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> because it's fun for, but not for all. All, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's, that's actually a, an important point. Uh, yeah, yeah, continue, please continue. Yeah, so, I mean, we started doing various activities yes. together. We were a team of like 15 <clears throat> people. We Fantastic. still are. Fantastic. But the activity has reduced because of my challenges here <laughs> in Aisar Pune of building labs. So, this team started various programs. For example, uh, we 
So, first program was initiated by me where I told the story of Atom in a series of 10 episodes. Fantastic. So, this uh, series was called Poocho Zara Poocho. Mm, mm. The reason was, you know, I had decided that I will produce various seasons mm. on uh, various things mm. around science but tell people in their own language, language and the way it has to be told. So, I told the story of Atom in this uh, uh, 10 episodes to someone who is not really from science sitting in front of mm. me and I am just telling a story. And then people, the online audience would ask questions there uh, in the end, meaning uh, in the comment, comment section. section and then we will in the next mm. uh, episode we will address those questions in the end of the episode and move on to the next and so on. So this is what I did. At the same time I started doing one show in Punjabi language. It was called Science the Mamla Hai. Fantastic. There is actually a song called Dil the Mamla. We <laughs> <laughs> created Science the Mamla hai by, by the, the, the name was provided actually by Arnab Bhattacharya, <laughs> director of HBCS. Who is Arnab Bhattacharya? I was associated with Chayan Bhai also. He's Chayan quite long hmm. in TIF. Arnab is not a Punjabi but he knew this song. <laughs> so he suggested this name. <clears throat> Very interesting and then we there we did many many episodes. Unfortunately that program uh, was uh, off mm. after a few episodes because the host uh, moved uh -huh. yeah. and uh, then uh, uh, in this India science theatre then we also started doing some online science quizzes nice. where our team would come the question the you know motive was not only to quiz that it was to learn. <laughs> so what we did was like we had like maybe 10 or 15 questions which we are asking live audience who are giving answers in the in Google uh, in this uh, YouTube. YouTube. You know, it's li program is live. So mm -hmm. they are writing live answers and whoever is the first person giving the correct answer out of those 100 playing or 200 playing, sometimes it used to be a lot. So then that person wins some prize, some cash prize, 250 or 500 or whatever. Nice. So this we used to give. Uh, so, but after every answer, we used to explain the science behind nice, that nice. in the language which is accessible. Now, the thing is, I mean, here you can use some technical words because people will keep on sticking there, yeah, yeah. hoping for the next question <laughs> and hoping for some money, <laughs> some reward. Engagement. Engagement. So, this engagement was done this way. We uh, <clears throat> again, so this was quite successful until about a year back, we were producing one episode every month or every, initially it was every two weeks and every month. So this was quite nice and then uh, regularly we were doing some show where like we four or five people from science background who had done PhDs or postdocs mm. and so on would come together and discuss some random topics uh, just like we discuss on chai. Right, nice, nice. So we were doing this live discussions and making jokes and laughing just like you know entering into scientists lives okay. during chai. Yeah. It was something like that. So this show was called for some reason Chand Ke Paar Chalo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good uh, story for Isro also. Probably now they have already reached. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So this name was I think uh, provided. I think this was invented by me. Mm. Probably. Me and one Rahul Nigam. Nice, nice. Uh, Mr. Rahul Nigam yeah. from... Uh, from uh, Hyderabad. Uh, uh, okay. Hyderabad. No, no, he is in Bitspilani Bits Hyderabad right, campus. Yes, yes. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> there were some many other interesting people in this. You can check some episodes. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. going to actually link all these things in the show notes and the references. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the listeners can actually go yeah. over and check that. Yeah. And then I started a show called Magazmari, oh. <laughs> <laughs> where I was again telling some uh, some story about some scientific problem mm. or something something interesting mm. to a person from completely non-science background in a chilled out language, nice, nice. like in a language in which you know friends are talking or whatever, like fifteen minutes, ten minutes, or something like that. And the host there is. Uh, someone called neha sharma and she is a teacher of economics so she has nothing to do with science so it's a nice thing for me because Excellent. then it's challenging for me to also explain Excellent. this to her in the way she would understand so but only six episodes there and then i got super busy oh. extremely busy because i had this uh, huge uh, uh, pressure of bringing money, money for yeah. building lab yeah. so i was just writing proposals after proposals after proposals and Outreach went, uh, meaning online outreach went on yeah, yeah. a bit of back foot, but offline outreach I kept doing, yeah, like you wonderful. know, with Aisar Pune, there it's a science activity center, center. Ashok Rupne, yes, and yes. their team, Ankish Tilpude, and their team, and so on. Amazing people. Amazing. I mean, you Amazing. look at their lab, it's a lab yeah. for kids, and oh, you man. are super. That's excited. like, you know, you go a kid in a candy store, right? Yeah, you yeah, have I everything. Say. You know, I get excited every time I go there. It's exactly. So, whenever I'm bringing yeah. some some kids or yeah. some friends from yeah. outside, I'm saying, I'm showing, going to show you a magic show. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. It's magic with science. Absolutely. Lots and lots of toys. I use their toys for teaching also, undergrad, electrodynamics, same and same so on. Yeah. But there, they also keep on doing this uh, online outreach activities. Yeah. And I, I have done some shows f- yes. with them also. Yes. Like one I did with for James Webb Space Telescope when nice. it sent the first images. One I did, which was about magnetism mm. and so on. One hour long shows, live shows, That's where true. the engagement is by the kids. Oh, you know, yeah. they're like it's 500 huge, kids online huge. and they are writing uh, all the time their yeah. Yeah. Uh, excitement Very, and their questions and so exactly. on. And one also learns from this show, like the language in which the kids, kids would boy. talk. Like they would say, <laughs> oh, magnets OP. <laughs> and what is OP? I learned late, later that in gaming terms, the OP is used for overpowered. Oh, so man. if some weapon is overpowered, <laughs> it's OP. So everyone is like explanation OP, magnet OP. So these are these kids who are writing and then they would uh, I mean uh, so I would also go to sometimes some schools or for example next month I'm going to symbiosis institute yeah, for yeah. giving a lecture on sound yeah. also on uh, you know uh, these uh, Science days and yes, so much we celebrate. Yeah, I am yeah. doing some science show or science Wonderful. quiz we do with these kids. Like there are two thousand people now, two thousand kids playing science quiz yeah, like from <laughs> science activity centers. You know, so this is amazing. Yeah, like you know, they have these eighty thousand subscribers, but during science show, uh, this two thousand people yes, are yes. playing together. It's challenging to maintain. Uh, so you know, not so to manage all of this. Absolutely, because in YouTube the comments would come within one second. There would be fifty comments when you ask yeah. a question there. And then someone has to be there to look yeah, yeah. who was the first correct one. And so on. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so some things I keep doing. I Great. keep going to schools and keep. I take this equipment from Science Activity Science. Center actually, which is very very useful. Very very useful. Yeah, very useful. absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now we are almost coming yeah. to the conclusion. Yeah. Uh, so I, of course. Uh, the listeners should know that this is part of something called as emergence series, mm-hmm. the conversations, what we are having. And uh, Ashish uh, will surely come back sometime again 
uh, on on pratidwani and uh, we going to have a more elaborate discussion on specific topics and uh, more so with some particular focus on some questions related to the research uh, and which is biographical in nature again yes. uh, in the way what you have learned and uh, other things so uh, ashish uh, also tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what is the kind of uh, you know approach let's say a student who is kind of getting started uh, especially at the research level mm. uh, should should uh, take away from from this particular kind of uh, <coughs> uh, you know your experience hmm? uh, yeah. that would be good for uh, anybody who wants to pursue experimental physics yeah. yeah so i mean my only suggestion is like do science <laughs> if you love it because this is only for those who actually love doing science because the career in science is a bit different quite different than other traditional careers the other traditional in the other traditional careers you kick start your career say you start earning money or whatever starting when you are like 22 or so on but then you know if that is uh, exciting for you fine but if uh, doing science is exciting for you do it give your full dedication full heart to it and uh, Uh, if you like to discuss science that is one way to understand that you like it if you like to be among people who do serious science and who like to discuss science it's uh, it's one other way to way understand to that you like it yeah one and, point maybe you want to also emphasize is that you can make a living out of it yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah so what i was yeah i was coming mm. to that so the thing is the following i mean i always tell people who say that uh, you know you don't earn much after doing science and so on no that is not true mm. of course you are going to do a phd mm. first mm. and in the phd there is some fellowship you might feel like ah this is not enough but mm. uh, that's only for that time but at the same time you are achieving something mm. which others have not done okay. i mean this is phd i mean this is something which is huge yes. Yes. this doesn't come to everyone and uh, you are in doing something which you enjoy now these two things they overcome every other challenges on the other hand you are living in some hostel and mm. living still living the student life and that is something which is a reward reward i Absolutely. mean the longer you live as a student the reward more rewarding Absolutely. it is if you keep on learning and so on and the people around are fun and so on but on the other hand <clears throat> after a phd if uh, you feel that uh, you have done enough science already because many people in europe i noticed and also in india mm. that they feel that they have done enough science already and now they want to move to some other career you are well equipped for many many other careers now in fact you are better than many others who had started when you had started your phd because you have learned so much you have learned uh, how to tackle problems mm. you have learned programming skills mm. for example you have learned uh, instrumentation you have learned depending on what kind of field you are in and you have been in a nice institute where there were some nice people around you and uh, you know you were trained subconsciously in a way to be a better human mm. and to be a better uh, at understanding issues of life problems of life and tackling them in a systematic way and so on in a practical way pragmatic way which does not come otherwise if you do mm-hmm. not have this experience yes. and that helps a lot and this is what companies count on mm-hmm. industry also counts on this experience that you have went through to give you 
some nice position and these days uh, for scientists there are so many positions That's outside true. academics also now i started it uh, saying outside academics already because i noticed that about academics people already have uh, some sort of uh, these uh, opinions that mm. it's a very long career yeah, 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 yeah. and one starts to get quite old before one settles the personal life is difficult it's all true i would mm. not mm. say it's not it's not true it's all true uh, but if you love to do what you are doing if you love to uh, think deep into the way mm. nature works mm. and to think deep in understanding to solving some challenges of nature or physics and so on then it's a lot of personal satisfaction it comes with That's a lot a of reward because whatever you produce is your baby yeah whatever yeah. you produce you get immediate uh, reward in terms of you know getting sometimes some surprise reactions from many others in the community saying oh wow how did you achieve this yes. oh wow mm -hmm. this is the way it was so great oh i did not even think about this and all of this gives you yeah, an yeah, immense pleasure and it keeps you going and keeps you going and finally when you are in academics this, this is the life that you are going to be in it's quite exciting exciting very exciting yeah the only condition is that one must be able to enjoy it enjoy it. absolutely absolutely in fact these are all you know extremely important words what you just mentioned that satisfaction aspect is sometimes underrated hmm. in the in the pace of the the life yes uh, this sometimes doesn't get much emphasis yes because at the end of the day if you go to sleep with satisfaction and you yes. you wake up with enthusiasm yes i think science gives you <laughs> perfectly put perfectly put i yeah. couldn't agree more yeah yeah so uh, ashish it has been an excellent discussion Thank and you uh, conversation in fact as i mentioned uh, the making of an experimentalist is not a very a very kind of well known story mm. and this is actually one of the very beautiful narration what we had now Mm. and i'm hoping that uh, people do listen to this mm. aspect and get mm. motivated mm. and second aspect is also to know what it is to become an experimentalist you know mm. that is something what you beautifully defined mm. so i'm thankful to you for your Thank time you and your uh, knowledge what you have shared with us and I, as i mentioned this is part of the emergence series in pratigani mm. and i'm 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 i'll be very happy to you know have you back Sure. On the, on I'm the, always happy yeah. to talk. This is why we are doing science. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> we so, love to discuss. We love to talk right. and share our experiences. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Tarish. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Pleasure is all. Yeah. Thank you very much. So this is uh, Pratidwani, where we try to humanize science, and this time with an experimentalist, Ashish Arora. Thank you, Pam.